one thing you'll find at uh, WSJM.com and the WSJM app is election results. Uh, quite a lot of them across uh, the community with the special edition elections. Special edition. <laughs> special reports. Um, and that's the thing is the, these deep type of elections, uh, what I notice in summary is that uh, not a lot of people showing up to these no, things. No, no. 25% turnout in Berrien County, Van Buren. They had really low turnout, about 13%. Jeez. Yeah. But that's, you know, that's the good and bad uh, of these uh, things. When they're put on the ballot, you know, you kind of expect with these special elections, even though you promote them and tell people that these are happening, lower turnout might be good for some of the stuff that might be on the ballot. Say, oh, we only have a small percentage, but we know the people that really are passionate about this thing might actually uh, come out and do it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's certainly something that the the elected officials, those who are putting the questions on the ballots, mm -hmm. are, are very thoughtful of thinking about what's the turnout going to be, who's the likely voter in these certain elections, when do we run something. Um, so it's, you know, but you always want an informed electorate and you want, you want turnout because you want people to feel yeah. like, I had representation, I had say. Right in this question and boy what those that did turn out in some of these areas they said no <laughs> yeah a lot yesterday yeah because we know there was what like six different uh school yeah. proposals for millages and bonds yeah so so in Berrien county talking about buchanan coloma water valite eau claire they all had school questions school mm -hmm. bond questions or millage type questions um and they were all rejected and this is where, uh, you know, the first thing I thought of when uh, when I saw that those, when you told me those results and I saw those results is, what now? Yeah. You know, these schools, a lot of these, uh, these millages and bond proposals are for uh, looking at really important things that they need uh, to keep the school going. You know, the infrastructure and certain things that are starting to get old, boiler systems, this and that, it's, it's, you know, it's the question of what do they do now? Well, How, where do they get the money now? Yeah. And well, let's take one in particular, Buchanan, for mm -hmm. instance. They had about a $35 million bond proposal on this ballot. This is six months after um, they had taken the last question. Sure. The last November, they had the question on, should we do this ballot, mm -hmm. uh, bond proposal? It was rejected that time. So they reworked it a little bit, said, okay, our community members have some thoughts some concerns here. Let's rework it, put it back out in front of voters. Uh, Maybe in a in a May special election mm -hmm. we'll do a little better. No, mm. it, it, so so they'll have to think about do we do we go back with a drastically different proposal? Do we go back with the same thing and hope for higher voter turnout? That'll give us something. I mean, they really have to take a look at what is it the people feel. Now, one of the bond proposals that did pass, mm -hmm. although narrowly, I mean really narrowly by like a little over a hundred votes overall was the Lakeshore public schools bond proposal. Yeah. And what they did was they, they, they were very methodical in, in, in pragmatic in how they approached by, by talking to people in the school district. Mm -hmm. And they said, all right, let's give you three different options. Sure. Let's give you the, the low, the medium and the high bond proposal and ask you, what do you think of this? Would you support it if you right. knew that it had these things in it? And they they looked at the results and they said, we're going to go for the low. Mm -hmm. And they did. And they won. Barely. 
Yeah, and I think that that we even thought like, man, why wouldn't you go for a little bit higher? Because right. if you know that one's like a for sure shoe in, or felt like it did, but even yeah. though it was still narrow, you know, why wouldn't you go and try to push it a little bit? But it's all or nothing on that uh, yeah. that kind of thing. So uh, I think it was a good idea to go for the low. And I think the other the other piece that is it seems important is people have so much access to information mm-hmm. now. They want to know. They want to be informed. And one of the things Lakeshore did, which I applaud them for, is they they were very transparent in putting the information on their website, yeah. holding public uh, forums, yeah. having public surveys to talk about, here's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Here's exactly where every penny's going to go. Yeah. Yes or no. Yeah, I know. I, I saw Claire did a, a similar thing of uh, inviting people to the to the schools. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's a great idea because especially if it's infrastructure stuff, it's, you know, boiler systems or that, you know, walk them into the room and say, yeah. this is how old this thing is. This is what we need help with. Um, so, yeah, that is the big question of, you know, what now? What's next? Are, do they have enough time to say, hey, let's rework this. Let's go for something different. And maybe even could this even end up being on, say, an August? August uh, election or at some point in the, yeah. in the near future? Great question. Don't know the answer to yeah. that. I think what they'll have to do is really think about what do we what what are the voters telling us? Mm-hmm. What did they not like about this? And how do we how do we get to that? Yes. Or yeah. alternatively, how do we how do we restructure what we have right. to make do? I mean, you're talking again in Buchanan, their moccasin school, 75 years old. Mm hmm. They don't have handicap accessible bathrooms. They don't have an elevator, even though it's more than one floor. They're supposed to, but they don't. Mm-hmm. They don't have the money for it. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of schools need to, uh, yeah, like you said, they're going to assess all that stuff, figure out what's going to work. But Lakeshore did get their bond request approved, as did Berrien Springs. Okay. And, um, and the Buchanan Fire uh, Township uh, approved their fire millage renewal. So that's Berrien County. The one thing we didn't talk about in Berrien County was the marijuana question in the village of Stevensville. Voters said yes. Yes to no. Which meant no. (laughs) (laughs) Which meant no. No. So the the question was, do you want to prohibit? Right. Do you want to ban? Do you want to get rid of uh, the marijuana business? There's no marijuana business there. Legal anyway. Um, do you want to prohibit marijuana businesses in village limits? Mm-hmm. And the answer from voters was, yes, we want to prohibit marijuana businesses from being in our village limits. They voted 61 to 38 percent. So it was it was pretty resounding, even though it was kind of low turnout, 287 to 181. Yeah, that is pretty low. Yeah, yeah I was driving even driving by through Stevensville uh, yesterday and seeing the signs. I I as I'm an outsider. So being from Niles, I didn't have any special election, didn't have anything going on. Um, um, but yeah, I certainly was a little confused yeah. this entire time of these the signs and all the different things. So uh, um, it'll be interesting to see what's next because that's another one of those, you know, the, the village kind of saying, hey, this is something, an, an option we're going to explore and see what's yes. happening. We've seen it be successful in other communities around Southwest Michigan. Yeah. And they've been able to take the money that is coming from those businesses and then from the state as well to then help them with yep. a lot of the stuff, the infrastructure and things within the city right. that need to be in the village that need to be fixed. That's right. That's right. I mean, it all comes down to the pot of resources and what you're going to do with it. Mm-hmm. And if you have additional opportunities for resources, marijuana sales, one of them, mm-hmm. do you do you take advantage of that? If you don't, what does that mean? Where else are you going to find the money for infrastructure? Always trade-offs. Yeah, they're going to have to find a different pot 
of resources. Ah, I see what you mm -hmm. did there. Uh, yeah, you set me <laughs> up for it. Um, so, yeah. If, be sure to check out any of those uh, results and get more information on any of those things, especially if it's in your community. You can find it at WSJM.com and the WSJM app. Going to go antiquing this weekend? I went last weekend. You got to go again on Sunday. I would love to do it Sunday on the Bluff. Yeah, antiques on the Bluff going to be, be happening. The, uh, the first one of the season, uh, but then it's going to happen, what, every uh, first Sunday? Into October of, or something yeah. like that, right? Yeah, it's, it's a lot of great, a lot of really cool stuff that you can find. A lot of uh, uh, there might even be some WSJM uh, relics you might find there, um, <laughs> like Pat like Modi, old tower. Oh, you, oh, you. Hey, no. <laughs> um, but no, they're they're actually Zach East uh, did find like some old signs from like uh, the seventies. Oh. The a lot of really cool stuff back when WSJM was playing music. Oh, oh, yeah. even better. Yeah, it was the uh, I think it was called the. Uh, one of the taglines years ago was the, somebody's going to call me out on this, I know, but uh -oh. I think it was the Spirit of Southwest Michigan. Oh, there you go. Did they sing it? Probably. I bet there's you an old, try it? I bet there's an old jingle. <laughs> the Spirit of Southwest Michigan. <laughs> I Easy love it. Listening. Are there strings, like a harpsichord oh, in absolutely. the background? absolutely. You okay. got to have the harps in there. I like it. Um, I so, like yeah. it. No, I like antiquing is great. And uh, on the bluff, it's just, you got the fresh air. Mm -hmm. and I usually take my dog down there and it's nice. Very good. I got to find that jingle now. Yeah. Spirit of Southwest. <laughs> All right. I uh, got something to say now. Uh, it's brought to you by our friends, United Federal Credit Union. We get you uh, talking with area nonprofit organizations and groups. Always love to chat with them. Uh, if you're part of one, maybe you're part of the board, maybe you're uh, you know just really passionate about something, you got a, a program, an event coming up, feel free to reach out. You can email let's talk at wsjm.com and you can also email let's or Let's talk at WSJM.com is how you email me. Call me, 925-WSJM. My guest today is Karen Adler. She is from Niles Music and More. Karen, how are you? I'm great, Johnny. I hope you are as well. I'm doing fantastic. Always good to chat with you uh, and learn more about great things that are happening in Niles. I know uh, you guys... Uh, with Niles Music and More, you stay very busy with a lot of different things that you've, uh, you know, added over the years. But one of the biggest things that you guys do is your uh, summer concert series. And hard to believe we're already at that point where a lot of this stuff is, is, is starting up. And we'll get to some of that in just a moment. But first, uh, Karen, for people that may not know what Niles Music and More is all about, kind of give me the, the little rundown of what you guys do. Sure. Niles Music and More is a nonprofit that I started in uh, 2018 so that we could get grants to bring the concerts to Niles. Now, people that have been around Niles know that um, there used to be concerts down at the downtown amphitheater three days a week. And those, um, like a good soldier, just kind of faded into the background. And uh, we know Niles needed to have that piece. Lots of people wanted it back. So um, the city held my hand. We're not part of the city. We are okay. an, our own entity. But they held my hand through getting it started and what paperwork I needed and things like that. So I think the first... Um, year 2018 we did eight concerts and we had a budget of about two thousand um, dollars and then we got our nonprofit status and uh, now we're doing 20 concerts per summer Sunday nights at six o'clock six to eight 
and um, branching out, and as you said, into a few other things as well. Mm-hmm. So um, our, our focus is Niles, our passion is Niles, bringing business to Niles, bringing bodies to stores, um, and, and what better bait than uh, a good concert to get people out and about. Yeah, and you mentioned passion, and I think that's another key component of of what you guys do. Is that you bring in these these uh, these artists, these bands that uh, that are going to perform, but also uh, you kind of uh, do something I think really unique of really uh, focusing on the nonprofit organizations and supporting the nonprofit organizations in the community, and you actually uh, put the task uh, or the the responsibility on the bands to to pick uh, a nonprofit to support. Is that right? That's right. And, you know, I have to preface it by saying there is nothing wrong with the, for example, a national organization Mm -hmm. like the Heart Association or the Alzheimer's Association, but the money that's given there doesn't all stay in Niles. So what separates us is I've gone to the IRS, uh, what's called Pub 78, Publication 78, and gleaned all of the official 501c3 nonprofit charities Mm -hmm. in the 49120. They have to serve people in Niles. We present that list to the band. They select uh, a nonprofit or um, in a broader category, something that's passionate, like one of the band's drummers has a daughter with autism. So they always pick the local autism group mm-hmm. and they partner with them and whenever I do uh, whenever we promote the, each concert we also piggyback the nonprofit so that the, so the awareness our goal is to increase the awareness because I call them mom and pop nonprofits they don't have a, a marketing person they don't have a marketing budget um, and, and so we're really proud that those nonprofit organizations come to the concert. Um, the bands promote them on their website. The sponsors promote them, uh, you know, on their social media platforms. And then we invite them to come to the concert and set up a table and take donations, talk to the crowd about what their needs are. And it's not always money, you know, mm-hmm. uh, an animal rescue, their washing machine may have broken. And so, you know, maybe somebody can donate a washing machine. A uh, lot of the nonprofits need volunteers. Um, but we do allow them to go through uh, during the intermission and take uh, donations. The donations don't come to us and we turn around. The donations go directly to the nonprofit. And during the 15-minute intermission, they get their 15 minutes of fame. They have a representative that gets to come up on stage and use the microphone and tell the the public, you know, 150 or 200 people um, what what they do, what, how Niles benefits from their mission and their service. So um, we are extremely proud to support the nonprofits in Niles. Um, our tagline is concerts, community, and collaboration. And that's where our passion lies as a nonprofit. Of course, the music, mm-hmm. collaborating with sponsors um, and others, and uh, then collaborating with nonprofits to help them raise money. 
That's fantastic. I love I love that aspect of it. I also love uh, that you you know you have a wide variety of music. It really gives people uh, something to enjoy uh, during the summer. And uh, do you want to highlight some of the maybe some of the bands that, that might be coming to the area that you sure. might uh, uh, people want to look forward to? Because like you said, you got a long list. But any of the ones that really pop right. out for you? Yep, there are. And let me say the reason we do this on a Sunday night is because everybody's got their chores done, you know? Yeah. They've mowed the lawn, <laughs> right. they've cleaned the pool. <laughs> That's all done. And uh, so they're ready to relax. So, uh, you know, bring a red solo mm. cup and relax with some music. We have multiple genres. Um, this year we have six new bands that have never performed for us before. Um, we have uh, Light Rock. We have... Uh, I'm looking down the list here. Some of the favorites, we have jazz. We have um, classic rock and blues. Uh, we have swing. We have um, coming from New Mexico. They, they came the first time before COVID, and then they, they stopped touring during COVID. They've gone to big cities like Philadelphia, Chicago, Milwaukee, um, all across the country on their summer tour, and they stopped in Niles, Michigan. And we are so thrilled that they're back on the road. They're able to come and see us. So um, we also have partnered this year, very exciting for us, with the Niles Burn Run mm. to raise money for them and provide the music for their Burn Run weekend. So on July 28th, the Grateful Dead tribute band, the Happy Campers, will be doing a concert. Now, that concert will be from 8 to 10. Okay. Normally, our Sunday night concerts are from 6 to 8. But the, the Happy Campers on that Friday, the 28th, will be from 8 to 10. Um, Saturday morning, the Burn Run is doing a car show in the morning. And then we're going to have an afternoon concert. So pick up a pizza downtown or um, bring a cooler with some food. And we have a group called uh, Breakfast for Dinner on Saturday at 2 o'clock. And they um, do rock, classic rock from 70s to present. And then really kind of our, our capstone band every year um, will be performing on July 29th in the evening. That's the Bob Seger tribute band called Katmandu. Okay. Their time is 7 to 9. Um, and they're absolutely amazing. Now, The Rage, and speaking of collaboration, mm -hmm. is going to host an after-concert party, a meet-and-greet for the band. So on the 29th, after the concert, the band is going to go down to The Rage and uh, press the flesh and meet people and um, just chat about music and things like that. And then Sunday night is a normal concert, the July 30th. And... That is uh, our blues guy, our blues dude, Daryl Buchanan. He does Motown blues and rhythm, rhythm and blues. Um, so fantastic! You know they're they're all great. Um, we have four new sponsors this year. We still have ten sponsorships available if anyone is interested. Um, and and in, along that line, if we have 150 people at a concert times 20, there's 3,000 people for t two hours per concert. And so I, I know that we're uh, helping the sponsors by getting their word out, their name out as well. Absolutely. Uh, that's really awesome. Uh, where, Karen, where's a good place for us to find the full list of uh, bands that will be part of this concert series? Yep, the best place to go is N uh, Niles Music and More on Facebook. Um, Really, if you just start typing in Niles Music, we'll be the first one that pops up. 
Uh, for people not on Facebook, if they would like to email um, email us, it's Niles Music and more at gmail.com and is spelled out with the three letters, not okay. the ampersand. So okay. Niles Music, A-N-D more at gmail.com. That's fantastic. And as we mentioned, you guys are like keeping yourselves busy, not only the concert series, but you added the movies as well. That's another uh, cool thing that you guys are doing for the community. Family-friendly movies uh, throughout uh, a long list uh, throughout the summer, right? 13 of them. Wow. Um, we're kicking off with Prince of Egypt, and these will be at the back of the Wonderland okay. outdoor. So you get an outdoor movie every Friday night, starting between 9.15 and 9.45, depending on, you know, when it gets dark during the season. Um, our our um, really fun cons or fun movie is Grease, the original Grease. And then uh, July 7th, there's going to be a Jesus Festival down at the amphitheater. And on the Friday night of that, we are going to be showing the recently released movie called The Jesus Revolution. Okay. Now, there's people that wanted to see it when it was here, and they didn't. People that wanted to go back, and they didn't. So you get to see it for free. Everything we do is free because of sponsorships, donations, and grants. So um, the list of movies is also available on Niles Music and more. Awesome. On Facebook. Yeah, definitely want to check that out on Facebook. Karen, I know you guys are uh, busy doing a lot of great things, but it, like you said, it's it's all all in fun and all to help out uh, the community in Niles, and it's uh, really awesome to see more and more uh, great things coming to our community. But I thank you so much uh, for taking the time and talking with me about all the cool stuff that you guys have coming up. Johnny, thanks so much. Your support uh, and your listeners' support is uh, is really something that we count on, and we appreciate the, the ongoing support a great deal. Thank you. And if you'd like to be part of Got Something to Say, simply uh, email me, let's talk at wsjm.com. Uh, you can also call 925-WSJM. You can hear Got Something to Say uh, not only during the morning show, but also in the afternoon at 530, after news with Andrew Green. And check out the podcast on the WSJM app. Ken, a lot of things going on uh, in the news this morning, uh, especially uh, in Lansing. They're keeping themselves pretty busy. We talked, uh, what, a couple weeks ago yes. about this uh the banning of cell phone use in the car, the hands, yeah. sort of the hands-free law uh, that may be coming to Michigan, and it's making some progress. It's gone the next step up. It's gone the next step up. They had lawmakers had to redraft their their proposal. So just to be clear, Michigan law already forbids texting while driving. Drivers face a hundred dollar fines for the uh -huh. first offense, two hundred dollars for every violation afterward. But you know, technology has changed a little bit sure. since they first passed the don't text while you're drive law. Some people, believe it or not, are checking social media while mm -hmm. they're driving. Not a safe thing. And so um, in Lansing, the House of Representatives had voted on the measure and it did not receive a simple majority. So the leader at that time pulled it back, mm -hmm. said, guys, rework this a little bit because this flew out of committee. Everyone wants to make sure that people are safe while they're yeah. driving. Um, why did this fail? Well, it had a really harsh penalty in it. 90-day license suspension Jeez. for repeat offenders. Okay. That was removed. <laughs> All right, yeah. so that's out. But the fines were were the fines reworked as it, well? Not well. Let me let me. The, it's three bill package, so they <laughs> they put a bunch of stuff into it. So it's hard to kind of decipher as what it they is. Usually but, do. But one of the fun things they did put in there was uh, in the amended language: violators will not only face the fines on the first offense, but on top of that, 
mandatory participation in the state's basic driver improvement course. Mm, You've had that. I have done that. Yes. <laughs> Thanks for calling me out. <laughs> Sorry. Yes, I have. Uh, I'll be honest. I've had some uh, some tickets in the past and had to do some uh, <laughs> some driving stuff. At least you're not doing social media while you're driving. Mm. At least you're not doing social media while you're driving. You so mean it, I can't TikTok and drive? It passed the House of Representatives, the, the House, uh, it, but it has uh, not yet passed the Senate. The Senate did have a hearing on it last week uh, on, the, on a similar package of legislation. They'll probably pass something. It may not be the exact same thing, mm -hmm. but um, if if you know, it probably will get to the governor's desk. Okay. Well, we'll see. What do you think the timeline? Probably maybe if this moves quickly, because this has been going on for quite a while now. You know, I, I they're keeping it in front of the committees. They just voted on it in the House again. Yeah. I would say it's probably going to be within the next 30 days, but don't, okay. don't put that in writing. We'll see what ends up happening with that. Uh, also, uh, there's uh, some changes to uh, things with teachers. As yeah. yesterday was Teacher Appreciation Day. <laughs> Uh, is Lansing appreciating the great work that teachers are doing? State Democratic leaders have a proposal in the legislature now that suggests Michigan teacher evaluations mm. should no longer take into account how students perform on state tests. Okay. Yeah, and the, the proposal also likely to call for fewer teacher evaluations during the school year. Here's a little bit more context. Supporters of the bills long sought by teachers unions contend that the formulas used to calculate student growth mm -hmm. during the school year are imperfect barometers. They're, they're not really a perfect measure of teacher performance. And they place yeah. too much emphasis on the standardized tests. Right. So it's not really the day-to-day -day that they're being evaluated against. It's the state tests. They don't like that. They don't want that. But critics say softening the teacher evaluations lessens accountability at a time when Michigan students continue to post mid-scores on state mm. and national tests. They say the current system needs to be better implemented, not replaced. Right. So I it's an ongoing debate. I don't know about you, but I hate standardized tests. Yeah, I am not. I'm not a. I'm not a good test taker. Mm. Uh, I feel I am pretty intelligent with a lot of stuff, but yeah. I get. I get stressed out. Yeah. I get. I am. I get test anxiety. I still to this day get test anxiety, um, and yeah, it's it's one of those that's uh, it's tough. Well, I'd like I'd like for teachers to be able to you know they're they're evaluating students. A lot of them. There are times where it's like, well, the only curriculum that I even have time to do is getting them ready for this next test. Yeah, we know people learn in different ways. Yeah. It makes sense people could be tested in different ways on how they've embedded mm -hmm. that knowledge. Absolutely. And so, but it, it seems like, okay, people learn in different ways. We're going to give you different ways to learn. Mm -hmm. Then when it comes to test time, all right, here it is. Yeah, it's all the same. The standardized <laughs> Standard test, test, which, yeah, is very tough because yeah. the teachers know the students so well and how the kids learn. Yeah. But it's it can be tough to, how do I have this kid? Because I'm more of like a kinesthetic learner where I have to learn by doing a lot of that stuff. And when I sit down and do a standardized test, it, it totally, I, I just blank on some stuff. Yeah. I don't do as well as I think I could do. Yeah. Um, so I, I know there's a lot of kids that are like that. So it would, it would be nice for some of that to be modified, but we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, so look for more discussion in Lansing, both on the cell phone ban and on the teacher evaluation. Uh, some things could happen on both those fronts this year. Hmm.
Well, yesterday was Teacher Appreciation Day. We still appreciate all the great we work do that teachers do. Teachers, they high, do a nice job. High five to all of them. Uh, I know a lot of teachers listen to this five, five award winning program. Yeah, was did you? I just, just did the high five. So you wanted to high five me instead of high, coming over here and high fiving me. You decided to high five yourself. The chair makes noise when I get up. All right, all right. Wow, that was kind of. Oh, I've got to get out and get our. Ne- I, I have to go get our next guest. He's here. Tell us about uh, who this special person is. <laughs> Absolutely, and thank you for joining us in the studio, Andrew Robinson, president of Mosaic CCDA. Thank you for joining us in studio this morning. Thank you. I am so grateful to the both of you uh, for allowing me to be here. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll talk about one of the things, a big event you have coming up this week. But first, for those who may not know who Andrew Robinson is, give us just a little background on who you are. You are, Johnny called you a boomerang. (laughs) You are a boomerang. (laughs) Who was here, went away, Yeah, I was raised here, was raised here, graduated from Bitter Harbor High School in 1995. Go 95. Yeah. Uh, went off to college, Grand Valley State University for my bachelor's degree. Uh, went to Western Michigan University for my master's degree. Uh, decided that I was going to take a teaching position in the Detroit area and live okay. there. Met my wife, uh, who's a native Detroiter as well. Was born and raised there. Nice. And stayed there for 18 years uh, wow. in the various, various roles from higher education uh, to other roles, uh, economic development, community development roles. I actually ran a restaurant uh, close really? to downtown Detroit. Which one? Really? Uh, it was called the Sunday Dinner Company. Okay. I was the uh, co-founder of it, CEO, and I had an executive chef uh, that took care of all the the cooking parts of, <laughs> of the restaurant, and I took care of all the business parts of it. We also had a, a personal chef service as oh, well as wow. a catering service, and we also operated a, a culinary training center as well. Uh, wow. And so... Uh, and I'll talk a little bit about that because uh, yeah. one of the reasons why I came here was for that very purpose, especially. And uh, did that for a number of years until I got burned out. And yeah. there's a lot of work because not only did we have a restaurant, which is a lot of work within itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we also were reaching out to young African-American men on the east side of Detroit. And we were giving them leadership development and character development opportunities. And so I did that for about six years and then went back into the higher education space and the economic development space from there. And then in 2018, I got a call from Brian Bennett, who was the president of the board for Mosaic at mm-hmm. that time. And Mosaic, said, Mosaic CCDA, right? Yeah, here. Mosaic yeah. CCDA. Okay. And uh, we, uh, he said, hey, Drew, I got your, your, your number from uh, a mutual friend. And what's mm-hmm. interesting was that at that time, I thought I was going to Chicago. Okay. I had okay. gotten a job offer from a gentleman there uh, in Chicago who ran uh, the largest Christian and African-American publishing company in the world. Wow. And okay. uh, they do a lot of, of African-American uh, publishing um, um, uh, materials, like yeah. Sunday school books, and sure. education Bible school books, and all sorts of other uh, books and commentaries. And yeah. And he, I thought I was going to replace him. And, and uh, But yet he shared my information with this Brian Bennett guy. So when Brian initially called me and he told me who it was that shared uh, the information with him, I said, man, what's going on here? Yeah. So Brian, you know, told me a little bit about the Mosaic story. And I pushed back and said, well, Brian, uh, I don't mean any hard feelings with this, but I have no interest in uh, coming back to, to Bend Harbor. Yeah. Uh, I am... Uh, 
thought I was going to to work with this this guy who gave you right information. So let yeah. me call him to see what's going on, you know? <laughs> so I called him and said, man, Jeff, what are you doing? I mean, I thought I was coming to work with sure. you and to, to eventually maybe five years from now I'll come to replace you. Mm-hmm. And he said, Drew, I know that uh, Benton Harbor is home for you and that uh, this is an opportunity for you to be able to make an impact on the city that raised you and nice. made you who you are. And so he said, hey, if you decide not to do it, that's fine. Uh, there's always a place here for you. Uh, but the only thing I ask you to do is hear him out. Mm-hmm. And so I called Brian back again and said, Brian, okay, I'll hear the, the full story. So <laughs> tell me the full story of Mosaic. And so he went down uh, the line of who Mosaic was. Yeah. And it's still at that point, I was still a little bit iffy, but I, I, the rest is history. Yeah, and yeah. and we're glad that you're here and well, you made you. the decision yeah, to join Appreciate Mosaic it. CCDA. Yeah. Uh, you were going to do the flyover, <laughs> go to, from Detroit to Chicago. I was. We I was prepared. No. Yeah, yeah. I, I was prepared. Well, but and I think the, one of the the things that I looked at with Mosaic CCDA was the fact that it really symbolized as uh, even workforce development is at the heart of who we are and, and our mission of being able to provide job training and job assistance to individuals who need it. Yep. Uh, but but when I looked at the board composition, and I looked at the leadership composition, I looked at work that Mosaic had done in the community of bringing together blacks and whites. And of course, I mean, as we all know, this community uh, has been very divisive over uh, decades now. Yeah. And so the fact that Mosaic, in a sense, symbolized bringing together many different cultures and contexts into one place yeah. uh, to work together for a common goal is really what sold me on coming back home. And it has transformed in your, was it five years? Just yes. about five years yeah. now that you've been yeah. Mosaic? Yeah. almost five years, yeah. And, and speaking of transformation, <laughs> you want to talk about your big event? Yeah, What's sure, sure, sure. So on tomorrow at 1030, we are having our groundbreaking ceremony uh, right at our new location. We've been there for two years, so I don't yeah. know if I can still say new location, <laughs> but... Uh, it's going to look brand new yeah, exactly. I mean, on the outside when this is all said and done. Exactly, so. exactly. Right behind Henry's Hamburger next to Joanne and Ollie's. Uh, we are having our groundbreaking ceremony at what most people would consider our resale store. Uh, but from henceforth, it will be known as the Transformation Center. And, and the reason why we call it yes. the Transformation mm-hmm. Center is about a year ago, I had the vision and the dream uh, to be able to really reach back out to the community in such a profound way that we believe that at the core of who we are is transformation. Yeah. Uh, when I first came back home <clears throat> and I, I started to, to look at some of our programs, uh, in particular, our Jobs for Life program, which we are known for which is that soft skill training program that we provide to individuals, just giving them some of the basics that they need uh, to be successful in the workforce. At the the core of that, right, even beyond workforce development, even beyond soft skill training, even beyond, you know, helping them to take accountability for their own successes and failures uh, was really having to transform the way people think. Because in transforming the way people think, we are able to transform what they do. And we know that ind- individuals who come to us, many of them have been mired through with a generational poverty. And so it's how do we help them to think differently about their lives and about their circumstances? Yeah. And we believe we can reach them and impact them. Uh, we will make change agents out of them and they can go and usher in transformation in their own community. 
at this transformation center, there will be specific services brought yeah. together. It'll yeah. be, yeah. Uh, talk about that maybe. Yeah, so so uh, inherent in this transformation center is really working together and bringing together other nonprofit organizations and partners to be able to collaboratively bring their holistic services to one location, almost like a one-stop shop yeah. uh, where we can provide a collage of services that will be able to meet the needs of the community. So instead of individuals uh, going to many different locations uh, for services, they can come to us and they can get financial literacy training. They can get job training. They can get uh, training in a skill or a trade. Uh, they can get wellness services. Uh, there will be a plethora of opportunities for them to be able uh, to attend to their needs and be able to make sure their families are taken care of. Absolutely. And Andrew Robinson's with us uh, from Mosaic CCDA. And you talked about partnerships and working together. Right. And uh, I know uh, the work has already started yeah. with, with things with uh, Pearson Construction doing a, a bulk of the construction side of things. But there's a lot of partnership and organizations oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, of people helping you out and doing this, right? Yeah. Let me give a shout out to a, a few of our funders and donors that without this uh, would not be possible. Uh, yeah. And of course, if I forget your name, please <laughs> forgive me. Uh, Don't send him a letter. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, uh, no uh, death threats. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I just want to thank the Whirlpool Foundation. Uh, yeah. They gave us a sizable grant uh, to help uh, make this transformation center uh, possible. Upton Foundation, Barry Community Foundation, Honor Credit Union, um, uh, just United Way has been very instrumental uh, in helping us uh, reach our goals. And so uh, there, there have been some significant uh, support that we've received, not only on a local scale, uh, but there are even additional partners that we're adding mm -hmm. on a low, on a regional scale and even a national scale uh, that are really going to be coming to in to support us and help us uh, to reach our goals to to transform lives. That's fantastic. Yeah. And you, uh, real quick, you've also uh, speaking of getting a phone call and yeah. uh, <laughs> and somebody probably passed in your phone number along. Uh, somebody passed it over to the governor, uh, and you're working. Yes, uh, yes, with yes, her yes, yes. On a, a really awesome team. Tell us a little more more about that, real quick. Yeah, I, I got a call back in February uh, from uh, 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 governor's office saying, "Hey, we, you know, are you interested in being a part of a, an advisory council for the governor?" And I said, "Well, yeah, sure. You know, what is it?" And they uh, gave me some more information on it and uh, filled out an application, really had an interest to be able to really pour uh, at a larger level, mm -hmm. a macro level into, you know, some of the policies and procedures uh, that come out of Lansing to help uh, usher in change and transformation, especially within an African-American community. And so I am a now a member of the Black Leadership Advisory Council, uh, awesome. which is working with uh, the Department of Labor and Economic Opportunity uh, to be able to look at policies and procedures to really provide uh, support to the governor in terms of how do we help to influence change, especially in urban communities. And maybe taking some of the lessons learned here, yeah, yeah, some yeah. of the things that you're yeah. doing that are successful here exactly. through Mosaic CCDA exactly. and taking exactly. that broader. Yeah, Excellent. and you know, one of my passions, two of my passions, of course, is workforce development and entrepreneurship. Yeah. So I'm always thinking of ways in which we can pour into individuals, right, on the job training side, helping them to get back into the workforce or to be stabilized in mm -hmm. the workforce, helping them to move from just having a job uh, making $14 an hour to having a job where they're able to make $25 an hour, 
right? Or thirty dollars an yeah. hour to learn a, a trade and, and get into a, a a very worthwhile career. But then the other part is entrepreneurship, uh, with our partnership uh, with various uh, organizations throughout the, this community. We have launched Emerge, Emerge Innovation Hub. Mm -hmm. Uh, which is really rooted in helping entrepreneurs in the community to get the resources, to get the training, to get the coaching, uh, everything they need to be successful in launching their business models or expanding their business models. That's fantastic. Yeah. Andrew Robinson, president of Mosaic CCDA. Yeah. Thank you for joining us yeah, this thank morning. Thank you for having me. I'm yeah. so grateful to be here. Congratulations, and thank, and thank you, you for, for doing what you're doing in the community. And uh, the groundbreaking starts tomorrow. When's it going to be finished? Uh, we well, we Sometime say in the fall. Year. Yeah, we, we say in the fall, but you know, weather okay. and everything weather, else. Yeah. Yeah. This Materials is Michigan. Yeah. And, yeah, shipping and all of that. You know, who we knows? will check back in. All right, all right. Wonderful. Thank Sounds you. Good. Thank you. Ken, you can now drink your coffee. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Very good. Ticks. Good to the last drop. <laughs> uh, so yeah, let's talk about ticks because uh, as we we've. Uh, been noticing the the weather is starting to warm up. That means the ticks are going to come out now, yeah. right? Anytime you start getting uh, consistently above forty degrees, the ticks start waking up. They start crawling around. They're looking for food. Their food is your blood. It's just not a good situation. Not at all. And, and now that the winter was not really, oh, it was yeah. kind of an all over the place kind of winter. I don't feel like that it. It really had a big freeze, so that did kind of... It made me happy to see my grass is nice and lush uh, this early into the season, but not good when it comes to the bugs, the mosquitoes I, and the ticks. I love it when there's that cold snap that's long enough and harsh enough that it really takes care of those annoying insects like mosquitoes yeah, yeah. and ticks. Right. And it doesn't seem as if we had that mm -mm. this last winter. Do you know how many different uh, what do you, uh, species of ticks there are? In Michigan. In Michigan alone, yeah. I'd say probably a dozen. 20. Oof. There are 20 species of ticks. In 2021, there were 878 confirmed mm -hmm. and probable cases of Lyme disease here. Yeah. 2021 wow. in Michigan, 878 cases of Lyme disease. Lyme's most commonly spread by, maybe exclusively by ticks. And so it's time to think about ways to protect yourself from ticks. Absolutely. Yeah, get some treatment or do something. What, what can I do? Yep. You, uh, some simple things you can do. Use insect repellent that has no more than 30% DEET. I okay. don't know why they say no more than 30%. Yeah, because if you go more, that's no good. Is that is that bad? You over Too much deet? You can't over deet. It's not good to it's to over deet. <laughs> deet tails? Detail. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Get it? Sure. Wear light <laughs> wear light clothing so you can easily detect a tick and, and should it attach. Uh, shower soon after coming in from outside. Inspect your skin and remove ticks before going indoors. And don't forget about your four legged friends. Mm -hmm. I mean, usually if you're out there hiking around in the in the wilderness, you brush by a bush or you um, go under a tree where the ticks are hanging out. They can latch onto your onto your canine, right. and they can bring them in the house, get on the couch, whatever. Then all of a sudden, they're crawling on you a couple of days later. Yeah, they're watching your movies and you're eating your <laughs> dog's using your food. Netflix password. <laughs> yeah, they're eating all your snacks. You don't, you don't want that. If you do get a tick on you, uh, the CDC, Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, recommends removing it by pulling it off 
in an upward motion using tweezers and washing the site with soap and water. Should you throw the tick away immediately? No. Mm. Save it just in case you start to get some of those symptoms of, uh, of Lyme disease, like a red rash little target that starts developing around the area uh, that doesn't go away um, soon. And, mm. and, and you can get that tested at your local health department or you can send it to uh, the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Now that we've got the creepy crawly feelings in our bodies as we're eating breakfast yes. this morning, yes. uh, let's shift gears just a little bit to the uh, to your. I mean, it's still within the home. Yeah. Uh, there's some things that we're looking at uh, as far as statewide when it comes to home sales. Oh yeah, Michigan, uh, not so good, eh? Well, Michigan now, uh, Realtor.com did a survey. And they looked at median home prices, basically mm-hmm. the very middle of what is stuff selling for yeah. state by state, county by county. Michigan now ranks 48th in median home sales price, down from 45th. Now, people might think, okay, you rank lowest in the nation for median home sales prices. That's good, right? Sure. Well, it doesn't seem so because you still go out there and you try to find an affordable home. Mm-hmm. Our state's listing, uh, the median listing of a home is $267,000. Ooh. I mean, that's the, that's the middle of the road. Wow. I don't know. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, and then with interest rates and all that stuff, the way they are, I mean, it's a, it's a, I've talked to many realtor friends and, and some have said, okay, you know, that's not a bad idea to buy a home, but you just gotta, you gotta get more creative with all that. Sometimes it may be okay to just stay where you are, um, but it is a, it is interesting time and not sure when some of that stuff's going to shift in the other direction. Yeah. And, and again, that is just looking at, at the, the state overall, mm-hmm. the median listing prices in Oakland County, million bucks. Ooh million bucks less than seventy thousand dollars in parts of detroit okay here Berrien county we're looking at a median price of three hundred and forty five thousand dollars uh median listing price cass county is three hundred and forty nine thousand dollars yeah so i mean it, it, it's up there uh van buren three hundred fifty seven thousand yeah, that's the interesting part too. Is that when you see, you know, with how things are with home values. Even like you look at your house, like, oh, well, I paid this much for the house, and now I could sell it for almost double. But uh, yeah, it's a it's a very interesting time uh, to see all that. Um, but now Michigan being a little bit less, that that is an interesting time, uh, and we'll see. Do we want to move up in the rankings? I don't know if we want to move up. I don't know how I up. feel about that. One of the other factors to consider, in addition to the, as you mentioned, the interest rates, fewer homes are on the market. Yeah. So that's keeping the pressure on prices because small, uh, large demand, small supply. I'm going to start buying a boat. I'm just going to live on a boat. <laughs> We've got a lake. We do. And I know <laughs> some pretty good boat dealers out there. So. What's the rule on that? Can we just buy a boat and live on the lake? I'm sure you can. Okay. People do it all the time. Sweet. Uh, and in the wintertime, I don't know. They, can you can you just live in the storage <laughs> unit? I don't, I'm not sure if that's a good idea. That, you may have to figure out your winter home okay. situation. That's, but that's a long time from now. Moodyonthemarket.com. We've got a ton of great stories. Our team of contributors always on it with uh, everything from new businesses to uh, other things going on in the community that you should know about. Plus, our uh, Moody on the Move series is pretty awesome. Zach East... Uh, I wouldn't call him working. He's kind of just <laughs> hanging out over at uh, Plank's Tavern over at the Inn at Harbor Shores, but he's learning more about the great work that they're doing. Uh, so check that out as well as past episodes and our awards program. See past recipients of all of those great ones. Zach got the Plank's assignment? 
Yeah. No wonder he was there all day. Yeah. He's there all the time. <laughs> That's nice. I think he lives there. <laughs> I think he has a problem. Oh, we should dear. probably talk to him about it. It's a it. good place. Too much food. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Great place to hang out. We should just, we should, what we need to do is we need to get a studio, put in oh, the end at Harbor Shores, Shores and just yeah. be like, yep, we're just uh, doing from our, our satellite studios. That way we could do maritime reports. There you go. Yeah. See what's going on. There's Even- another goose floating by. Yeah, the the duck and goose report. <laughs> yes. I like that. That's yes. a great idea. Uh, but it's time now for your Moody on the Market update where we tell you about some great stories that you'll find. Uh, it's brought to you by our friends at Insurance Management Service called IMS Today, your local auto owners agency with locations in St. Joseph and in Niles and down the road in New Buffalo. That's right. There is a new restaurant that should be here uh, by the summer. Contributor Jocelyn Tuzinski contributing New Buffalo, welcoming a new restaurant where it's always sunny in New Buffalo, but this time it's spelled S-O-N-N-Y. Sunny D is a brand new restaurant that will feature fresh, delicious quality foods. It's on track to open at 1 North Whitaker Street this summer. Yeah, it's right there in the center of New Buffalo, the, sort of the gateway to downtown at the corner of US-12 and Whitaker. Uh, the recently purchased and renovated 15,000-square-foot building uh, is sneakily part of locals and travelers' daily routine right there on the corner. Uh, and whether you've noticed uh, current tenants, uh, Hometown Pharmacy and Berkshire Hathaway, uh, while stopped at the light, uh, you walk past the remodeled exterior on your way to grab a coffee or used it as the beacon while uh, giving driving directions. We've all been waiting eagerly for that announcement of this new business. That's right. Frank Raffolo uh, said, food runs deep with us. And that's always good to hear mm-hmm. because you want you want somebody who's passionate about making the food. And, and, and Frank said his grandfather, Santo Sonny D'Amico, was a produce merchant at the South Water Street in Chicago. And he said his way back when, he said his dad started his own hot dog cart. And now the family owns four restaurants in the Chicago area. He's bringing some of that love over to New Buffalo. And this restaurant is them going back to the basics. Mm-hmm. And he said they have uh, plans to be open year-round, which is great. Sunny D's uh, wants to become a part of your routine, known for their uh, breakfast and Italian food. Frank uh, says that uh, there's still some fine-tuning to the menu. Jocelyn yep. was talking to him just yesterday, and I overheard. Uh, he said, I'm fine-tuning some of the stuff, but once I get to the point of uh, having the menu, we'll get it to you and get you updated. But he's really excited about what they're going to bring to New Buffalo. Now, the restaurant's going to be open 11 a.m. daily and will open roughly until uh, 9 p.m. on weekdays. Weekend hours during peak season will certainly be extended if and when necessary. And from what it sounds like with the passion that he has and all the cool stuff that he's going to bring, I'm, I'm sure he's going to have to be open pretty late. And not just food. They're going to have uh, live music, mm. a bar and event space in the basement. So Something definitely nice. uh, check that out. I, I think that will be my new uh, new Buffalo spot. There you go. Beautiful. Uh, so check out that great story by one of our wonderful Moody on the Market contributors, Jocelyn Tuzinski. Very nice. Uh, And that story and a whole bunch more at MoodyOnTheMarket.com. Your Moody on the Market update brought to you by Insurance Management Service. Call IMS today, your local auto owner's agency, with locations in St. Joseph and in Niles.